For some of us, it may feel that peace can only come at a cost. It's something that we have to do to figure things out for ourselves. To go back to the place of life of experiencing things that we knew when we were young. How many of you remember running around like a child without a care in the world? When you were a child running around before you even knew you had problems. And sometimes for us as adults, as we grow in our faith and then, and then life happens, it's a challenge sometimes to go back to the places in life or the, the places in our faith where we can remember what it was like to experience true joy. We can go back to the place where we remember what it truly is to experience peace with God and fellow man. We're going to read a portion of scripture where King David pleads with our Heavenly Father to restore to him the joy of the Lord's salvation. And in David's psalm, in Psalm 51, it's a reflection and a response. To an event in David's life that caused him to feel that he had been kicked out of the presence of God. That the very face of God had been turned from him. That the very troubles that he was experiencing were going to be things that befall him and beset him and prevent him from moving past the circumstances, the situations, the consequences at times of our actions or of the things that have taken place to us. In the scripture, Psalm 51, we're going to read the whole chapter. If you have your Bible, please turn with me there. If it's your first time here at Mission Ebenezer Family Church, I want to welcome you. Thank you for being with us today. We have tremendous friends and family with the baby dedications and folks that are hearing of the great works that God is doing here through the people of God. I want to welcome you here to this loving place, loving people because of our loving God. And I hope that you feel at home here and you feel the love. According to Psalm 51, a psalm of David, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The people of God said, Amen. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in my inmost parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. 
Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not from thy presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for giving us a new year. A new opportunity to set before us, Father God, your word and your promises to return, Father God, so that we can be restored. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd open our minds, that you'd open our hearts, and that you'd open our spiritual eyes, that we would see beautiful things in your law today. We pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus and the people of God said, amen. amen. Let's give God a hand of praise this morning. Near the end of 2023, we had been praying about what theme God would give us for this new year. And the theme of restore, restoration, is what rung true to us. Seeing as, as how God was in the process of remaking us and rebuilding us as a people. Renewing our faith, renewing our commitments to him. Renewing our, our lives and walking with Jesus. But there comes a time in the place of a person in the life of a believer where we have to make conscious decisions of the things that we desire for our lives. We have to speak boldly and proclaim the things that we would like to see happen and believe by faith that God is large and in charge and would love to be a part of the very things that we are believing God for. And I don't know about you, but I'm believing God for restoration. I'm believing God to bring back the things in my life that the enemy stole. I'm believing God in my life that the Lord would restore the broken relationships in, in my life that have been broken over the years. I don't know about you, but I'm asking God to restore the joy of his salvation for my life so that I can be encouraged and I can have the juice and the power to wake up every day and to say, Father God, thank you for this day. I have a renewed sense of living. I have a renewed sense of purpose. I know why I'm alive. And by golly, 
I am going to walk in your ways and in your promises and in the word of God according to what you have already spoken to me, declared over my life, prophesied over my life, and what you have for the people of God. Can I hear an amen? I believe God has tremendous things in store for our lives, but it ain't going to happen by us just sitting around waiting for it to happen. And I'm not saying that salvation can be restored to your life. I'm not saying that, that you can create in yourself a pure heart, a steadfast spirit all by yourself. Because sometimes we have gone through so many things that we are just broken and beat up that it just seems impossible for us to sometimes even just move, let alone believe, let alone smile, let alone go out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we just want to stay at home and stay under the covers. Sometimes we just want to stay away from church. Sometimes we don't want to read the Bible. Sometimes we don't even want to pray. Sometimes we don't even feel like singing. That's how David felt. King David had felt distant from the Lord. He had become distant from the Lord. And in this particular story, it was because of his own doing. He fell to temptation. He committed adultery and took Bathsheba unto himself, even though she was still married to Uriah. And then she became pregnant. So David sent Uriah to the front lines of the battle, of the war, so he could be killed. And he sent a note up ahead of Uriah to send him there, and he died. David had become distant from God, and that could happen to any of us. He allowed his thoughts to run away with his imagination. He started to covet and look at things and want things that didn't belong to him. Does that sound familiar to any of us? Wasn't satisfied with all the things that God had already blessed him with and given to him, even the, the anointing. The word of God came to Nathan the prophet in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And the Bible says that the Lord sent Nathan to David. And when Nathan came to David, he says, I want to tell you, a story of a man who had a ewe lamb, a little baby sheep. He only had one. There was another rich traveler who came passing through, and he looked at the man's lamb, little lamb, and said, I'm going to throw a feast, but I'm going to take your lamb. And instead of using all the wealth and his own sheep and taking one from his own flock, from the abundance that he had, this rich man, he decided to forcefully take what didn't belong to him. And David said, curse the man, he should be killed. David didn't realize that he was condemning himself. And Nathan said, you are the man. He said, you are the man. There's a saying, it ain't in the Bible, but many of us have seen a lot, read a lot, watched what's on TV, experienced a lot, and somebody gets caught up in something that they shouldn't be involved in, 
There's a saying that says, they weren't sorry for what they did, they were only sorry because they got caught. But I'm not so sure that that's a bad thing. Because if Nathan had not come to David, who knows what else David would have continued to do? Who knows what else David would have continued to fall into sin with? And David said, yes, it was me. The confrontation led to confession. The confession led to contrition. And contrition ultimately was what helped God remove sin from David's life. And Nathan said, this day sin has been removed from your life. Because David repented. He confessed and he said, yes, it was me. You see, God can't do much with lies. God can't do much with the person who is not truly repentant of the things that we have done, the mistakes that we have made, not taking responsibility for the sin that we have committed. If we continue to deny, if we continue to hide, if we continue to run away from God, there's not much that God can work with in the life of that person who has not yet come clean before God and before man. God can't work with lies. He's got to leave us on our own to keep Dealing with stuff in our own power because we obviously have not come to the place of brokenness of recognizing that God is in a place to be able to forgive us and to set us back on the right path again. And that's ultimately what he wants to do. Yes, he he can be a God of wrath. And he is that wrathful God when we are lying to ourselves. He allows the discipline that we experience to be a little harder than it needs to be because we're not ready yet to acknowledge our sin. And here, David, thankfully, somebody say, thank the Lord. The The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, which means that he knew that he sinned and he sinned boldly. But at the point and the opportunity where he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, He confessed, and the confession led to him being able to repent. The biblical definition of repentance means that once you were headed in a particular direction, but repentance turned you around and sent you back the other way, away from the very thing that was leading us to a life that was at odds with God. It means we were at war, living this life of sin, we were at war with God. Because light cannot be in the same space or place as darkness. God is so holy. God is so holy. Jesus is so holy. When we're involved in sin, God... He's like, I want to get involved. I want to intervene. And, 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 but I'm going to, ah, come on. With David, Nathan came. Thankfully, David confessed. And then he came with a humbled heart. So, yes, it was me. He came clean with 
the prophet Nathan. And that is what led to David's renewed life. That is what led to David's restoration. That is why David continued to be loved of God and was able to continue to serve in the capacity that he did because he repented. Can I hear an amen? amen. In verses 1 and 2, David begins the psalm by saying, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You see right here, this is the first two verses of this chapter demonstrating his repentance. He is communicating. He's putting it into song. The way his heart is expressing repentance, contrition. Yeah, I've been married almost 21 years now. A couple weeks, it'll be 21 for Pastor Boomi and I. And we've had quite a few um, fights, arguments, disagreements, conflicts. Thankfully, now they continue to be more peaceable, and healthy conflict, and better ways of communicating. But there's been uh, many times that my apologies fell on um, deaf ears. Uh, you don't really mean it. You're just saying it just to try and get me to forgive you. Well, yeah, that's true. But I really do mean it. I want to see it. I want to see some change, Pastor Bumi will say. And then I'll know that you're really sorry. Why are you laughing, Em? And she is right. And that's why I married her. She knows how to keep Pastor on his toes. But David was demonstrating here through the psalm how he truly felt, how broken he truly was. Even though he was not the one to come and confess his sin, thankfully he responded to Nathan and didn't lie once again. I learned the saying from Pastor Dozier. Nearly 15 years ago, in one of his messages, he said, you see, a lie is lonely. And one lie cannot stand on its own. It needs another one to hold itself up. But when we come clean, when we do away with the lies, realizing that we're only lying to ourselves, we're only hurting ourselves and hurting those around us, When we do that, we're not allowing God to get back involved in the way that he needs to be involved in our lives. And he wants to be. And he's given us opportunities to do that. Amen? So we need to learn from David right here where he says, have mercy on me, God. He's a God of mercy. I want you to know that today. God's a forgiving God. He's not the kind of God that wants to come and just smash you and destroy you and, and just erase your name from the earth. He's not that way. He's a loving God, and we're going to get to that, and we're going to talk about how much he loves us, just how much he loves us. Amen. David says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
it's apparent that David's theology is very consistent with Scripture in that God is the only one that can deal with our sin. God is the only one that can take our sin away. We can't take our own sin away. Only God can. Verses 3 through 6 demonstrate David's acknowledgement of sin and acknowledging and recognizing God's place in his life. He's like, okay, I am now at the point where I am ready to re-engage and confront God because how many of you know that when we're living in sin, we're, we're, we're kind of ashamed of it and we really don't want to press into God. If we wouldn't, if, even if God showed up, we wouldn't even be able to look him in the face. There's a tinge of guilt that is there in our lives, hopefully a good amount of guilt, especially if God wants to bring us out of something that is hurting us and is keeping us from worshiping him and praising him. And experiencing the life that God wants for us. Here in verses 3 through 6, he says, For I know my transgressions. I know what I've done. I know, I have no, I know my sin. I can replay it in my, my own mind. He says that I live it out. They're always before me. And he says, Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. See, God is the only one who can judge us. We're not ones to condemn. We can't save and we can't condemn. That's God's job. That's why we as the church are meant to be a loving people, a loving place, reflecting that very love of God, demonstrating that we know our place and God knows his. And we know God's place. Ain't that a blessing? Thank the Lord, we ain't God. There'd be nobody here. Zap him. Zap her. He cut me off. Oh, the way they posted on social media. Oh, you didn't, you didn't like that one very much, huh? But he says, and God desires truth. God desires truth. So he wants us to be honest. He wants us to come clean so that we can live freely. We can worship freely. We can have communion and fellowship with him freely. When we're walking in that peace. Somebody say peace. peace. Praise the Lord. Verses 7 through 9, look what it says. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. David goes a little bit deeper and now dealing with the things that are going on inside of him internally. Inside of his heart. Inside of his lave. Everybody say lave. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about this Hebrew word lave and what it means. Inside of his lave. David's, he's now starting to do, okay, yes, I, I've come clean, whew, I got that monkey off my back, I got that piano off my back, now I finally got that burden off my back, now I got that dark cloud starting to move away from me that's been following me, that I've been allowing to be over my life. Can I hear an amen, church? 
Oh, it, it feels so good. Oh, we feel so unburdened when we begin to carry the yoke of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? We start, when we take off that burden, when we take off that yoke, and we say, oh, Lord, it feels so good to now finally get that off my chest. Even if the prophet Nathan had to be the one to come and confront me. Oh, man, that is what I needed because I was suffering in my own mire. I was stuck in the mud, and I couldn't get myself out. I was so deep in sin because as a believer, how can I go to anybody and ask for the type of help that I need? The enemy keeps lying. And then we keep going deeper and we keep falling further away from God. And then our heart starts to get hardened because we're not in full fellowship with Jesus. But when you are able to feel that burden come off, just like David did when he confessed to Nathan, it was the beginning of some great things in David's life. David's demonstrating his desire. And let's read verses 10 through 12. And verse 12 of Psalm 51 was brought to us, as brought to our church by Pastor Manuel Figueroa. When we were talking about the theme of restoration, which is the first of our three foci, here at church, restore, equip, and send. That's what we believe that we're called to as a church. Restore people to God, to community, to family. Equip those people through the blood of Jesus, through the transforming power of the word of God, and then sending all of us back into the settings, the circles, and the arenas where we live. That's the gospel. And God sent us his son Jesus to do that. Pastor Manuel said, Pastor, what about Psalm 51, verse 12? Restore to me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And it was a yes and an amen. It was a wonderful passage to reflect the very heart of what God wants to do in our lives, you guys. And so here we are. Verse 10, he says this, create in me a pure heart. The word create is the Hebrew word bara. Everybody say bara. The word create here, bara, is the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 1 when it says, and God created the heavens and the earth. Bara. So David is calling out to God, and he is pleading with God. To create using the same creative power, the same source of power and strength, the same might and creative energies that God used to put the whole universe into place. Create. That's powerful. It means no matter what you've gone through, no matter what, where you're at right now, no matter how far you feel from God, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter the, 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 the mistake that you may have made, no matter the place in life that you are at, there is a creative power that emanates from heaven through our Father God that can take your heart, it can soften it, and it can be remade through Jesus Christ. It's the same creative power 
that put the heavens and the earth and everything else in between into place. And David saying, God, with that same creative power, remake my heart. Recreate my heart. Because I've been sinful and I've fallen from the path. I've fallen from your grace and I desire to be renewed. I desire to be back be brought back in. Hallelujah. How many of us are so bold as to come to God knowing our human condition, knowing our own sinful nature and come to God and say, God, I'm broken. God, I'm a sinner. God, I've messed up. God, you know my thoughts. Lord Jesus, help me. Create. Somebody say create. Create, create in me a pure heart. The Hebrew word for a heart is lave. It's probably where we get the word love from. And it's the same word that's used for mind and heart in Hebrew. In, in the, the Greek language, that same idea of the mind and the heart, because we know we don't really think with our, our heart. We don't even really feel with our heart, although we refer to that. It's the same. It's one and the same. It's all contained here. But we feel the, the, our nervous system resonates and radiates from the center of our being, our inmost parts. The lay, which is a reflection of our intellectual person, the mind, right? The heart, our emotions, and the things that we feel. David's saying, create in me a new heart and mind, right? This is a beautiful thing. David knows that he can't do it on his own. And that's why he has to come to God and plead to God. Trusting that God will do it. Trusting that as he believes and has faith, God can renew him and make him into a restored man. The Greek word is psuche, where we get the word psychology, our psyche. It's the things that we think, it's the things that we feel, right? How many of you say, uh, well, you know, I think, versus, well, you know, I feel? Well, it's all the same. We just have different ways of articulating the, the, the ways in which we operate. When I'm talking with my wife, I normally say, well, I think. And she says, well, you know, I feel. I said, well, I'm so glad we're married. Because we can think and feel together until we get it right. David says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. He said, and renew the spirit of God in me. The ruach. Renew your spirit in me. Renew my own spirit, David says. Sometimes we, we need to trust in God to renew our spirits. Amen? Amen? To renew our soul. That's the other word that is closely related to lave. The mind, the heart, and the soul, or the spirit. So David's talking about these three things. It's a trifecta of David going to God and saying, change everything about me. Make me brand new again. Praise the Lord. Restore, right? Restore me to the, to the man that I once was. Restore me into the woman that I once was. It's possible, church, you, that God can not only restore you, to the man or the woman that you once were, but he will restore you to an even greater condition. Yes, 
an even better place. It's like taking an oldie, an oldie car, a classic car, Brother Ernie, Sister Kuka, and not just restoring it back to its prior condition, but making it even better with all the new gadgets, with the new sound system. Orale, Brother Ernie said. God can make you better than before. Because now you're going to be operating with the renewed sense of a burden forgiven. But now with all the experience, all the do's and don'ts, all the exits and all the entrances on the highway, all the landmarks and all the signs being able to speak and tell people, you see this sign right here? Don't fall for it. You see this right here? There's actually a trap under there. Don't go that way. That's why he makes us even better than before. But let's, let's continue in the word. It says, do not cast me from your presence. The Hebrew word pay. Everybody say pay. Presence actually means your face. Your face. He says, don't turn your face away from me, God. Please turn your face back toward me. I'm sorry for what I've done. I've learned my lesson. And David had to pay the consequences for what he did. The child that was born to Bathsheba in sin died after seven days being born. The Bible says that David fasted and he prayed and he asked God to have mercy and to let the, child, the poor child live. But the Lord said no. On the seventh day, the baby died. David was heartbroken. Scripture says that David got up, he took off the, all the, the sackcloth and washed his face, cleaned up, went, sat at the table and had a meal. And they're like, how could you just do that? He says, I believed, I prayed, I asked God to heal my child, but the Lord, who is sovereign, saw fit to take him. And I'm okay with what God has decided for me. That's, that's some man. When we know, yes, I know what I have coming my way. But Lord, would you be, please be merciful. Please, Lord, don't let me, don't let, don't let me feel the, the, the full extent, Lord Jesus, of what I know I deserve. And he says, don't worry. We'll talk about it. Do not cast me from your presence. Praise God. He said, do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. Here it is. And restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love this. Restore. It actually means and turn back to me. The joy of your salvation. I was having a conversation with one of my boys the other day, and he said, Dad, I just wish sometimes I was just a little kid again. I said, why is that, son? He goes, life keeps getting harder and harder. I said, yeah, it's true. But God has a plan for you, and that's, there's a reason why he allows us to grow. But all the things that you experienced when you were a child, you don't have to 
say goodbye to all those wonderful things. Now God has given you a greater capacity to experience those things. Those are gifts from God. And it's why, why you want to still be a child and still be able to li live out a happy-go-lucky life. Not aware of all the problems, all the homework, all the assignments, this, that, and the other. The pressures of life to succeed. The expectations to have to live up to. Sometimes all the pressures and the distractions and the worries of life will try and choke us out and steal us of our joy and cause us to forget and have spiritual amnesia and not know what the joy of salvation is anymore. And we become sad. We become burdened. We become discouraged. We become depressed. And we don't know how to get back. We don't know how to return. Well, the scripture is laying it out here for us. Basically, what David is demonstrating to us is this. God says, come to me. Come back to me. I will create in you. I will reestablish our friendship in my presence. We'll be able to see one another again through my son, Jesus. Your joy will be renewed and restored once again. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. It's through Jesus. Jesus restores. Jesus recreates. Jesus stands in between us and our Heavenly Father. Jesus allows us to come into the Holy of Holies and have that renewed sense of joy. Jesus is the one who allows us, his families, to come into a greater sense and understanding of restoration, being able to forgive, being able to let go, being able to go move forward once again, not having to revisit the sins of yesteryear, not, not having to re, uh, punish and repunish the person who caused all the pain over and over again. No, when God says, I've forgiven and I've set you free. I've brought mercy. I've brought grace because I want you to be restored to the fullness of the joy of salvation. <laughs> salvation is righteousness. Salvation is, can only be experienced when we recognize that we can't save ourselves. Amen. Salvation only can be experienced. Joy can only be experienced when we realize that we're not the boss of us. You ever said, so? you're not the boss of me. Yeah, he is. He's the boss of me. He's the boss of you. But what a joy we can experience when we submit to him. Oh, it's a burden lifting because now you don't have to try and figure it all out. You don't have to try and figure out how you're going to work it out either because God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. And then he's going to work it out some more. And as long as you say humble, and as long as we have a contrite heart, and as long as we allow God to continue to work that out in our lives, then guess what? Now he goes before us. I can work with that. I can work with him. I can work with her. Oh, I see what, what's going on in his life. I see what's going on in her life. Oh, I can work with that. And God says, that's my joy. Now live in that joy. Live in that joy. People of God, how many of you want to experience the joy of salvation? 
Salvation means that we are now safe. Salvation means that we are now out of harm's way. Salvation means that now we are at peace with God. Have any of us ever been at odds with God? It's probably because we were at odds with ourselves and the God in us. But that's what true peace is. That's what salvation is. Salvation is when we allow God to come in and clean up the mess that we made. Salvation is us realizing that we could never heal ourselves, fix ourselves, deal with the sin in our own lives all by ourselves. And now all we got to do is just trust. Trust in him. Fall into his arms. Let him lead the way. Let him grab us by the hand and say, I got you. I got you, baby. I got you. I'm restoring your joy. I'm creating bara, a new heart. Watch this. Where's Carlos at? Carlitos. We're having a conversation. We have a resident Hebrew scholar here in our church. Studied at the, at the Ivy Leagues, carrying on. He said, Pastor, it's actually not creating me. It's create for me. Create for me. Because I can't create it on my own. Church, would you stand to your feet? As the worship team comes up. I want us to think about everything that David had to go through. He had to put in some of his own work too, didn't he? And praise the Lord. He trusted in God. David said, I'm paraphrasing, and maybe this could be a prayer of yours. Maybe this could be a prayer of ours. Always. Lord, help me. To do the things I know are right. Create in me a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me joy of your salvation.